get started. <laughs> test, 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 test. Yeah. <laughs> so we record these early on a Wednesday. Everybody, this is your your back end information. And Josh then has to take all the kids to school. They have different times. And I just saw him. He took the other two and he pulled back in to take Mason. Now, let me just tell everybody this morning, I talk about my kids by name too often. A child in my home who is an adolescent, she, they did not want to go to school. This is every day. Micah, do your kids do this? Your adolescents, do they not want to go to school? Not, no. Well, used to the the adolescent in my home, they <laughs> uh, were, he used to cry about school all the time, but that was before this school in New Jersey that he loves. Oh gosh. Okay. Anyway, I'm looking, I can see, this is the picture, everybody. I'm at my standing desk and behind my computer screen is the garage door. That's my office, the garage. And I can see the car and Mason is not in it. <laughs> oh boy. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> oh man. She oh. like, is her, her go-to still to flop and drop? Um, it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, she's, I don't know what she's doing right now, but you can't make, this is the thing about a, a child. I mean, really a lot of children, but as soon as they're too big to carry, you can't make kids do things. Yep. It's infuriating. I just want to make my kids do things. I know that's terrible parenting, but let's just say it. Let's just call it out moms and dads and parents. We would like to say a thing that we want our kids to do. And then they do it right away the first time with a happy heart. That is what we all want. Maybe not all of us. That's what I want. Autonomy. Screw it. Do what I am wanting you to do. <laughs> I will just pick kidding. you up and carry you <laughs> to the place. Just get in the car. Woo. That's a trigger for me. Anyway. I hear you. Should we start this episode? Yeah. Sounds. Speaking of. What are your triggers and how do you care for yourself? <laughs> oh, dear. So uh, enough of this. Let's shout some worth, shift some narratives for people with Down syndrome. Today we are talking about self-care and what that actually means. Welcome to the Lucky Few Podcast. Well, you know what's coming up soon, Heather? Mother's Day. Special day. That's right. Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's coming. Yeah. yeah. What are you going <laughs> to How do you feel about Mother's Day? Okay. And do you have any plans? This is a good question. I feel good and conflicted every year. Here's our situation. Okay. We are we are spatially in set up to be able to be with all the moms on Mother's Day, myself, my mother, my mother-in-law. And that then is, and then it's like, you bring in everybody, you know, then it's like also my sister because she's close and also invite the other family members. And then all of a sudden we have like a big gathering for Mother's Day. I don't want, that's not what I want to do for Mother's Day. What I want to do for Mother's Day is have Josh take my kids somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I just want to be alone or with other, my friend moms or my mom. 
That's what I want to do. I don't care what I'm doing. So it's always a funny thing. It's like, who do we celebrate? When do we celebrate? How do we celebrate? Make sure everyone's celebrated. And um, I don't know why that always feels frustrating to me. (laughs) It's hard. It's hard because it ends up where you are having to plan stuff. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to plan it because Mm -mm. this is your day off or it's supposed to be. Yeah. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be. I don't resent it or anything. I think it's sweet. And I can't, I, I can't even think of a time that was like, oh, that was the worst. It's just always this feeling of getting closer to it. Like, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to make sure everyone's pleased? I'm too much of a people pleaser too. That's something I'm working on in my heart and soul um, and life. But what about you? What are you doing for Mother's Day? I'm actually going to Texas. Okay. I'm going to Texas. <clears throat> um, I'm going to spend Mother's Day with my mom, which hasn't happened in a really long time. So uh, I'm excited and it's just going to be me. So I will be away from the kids and Chris for Mother's Day. Um, and I think that'll be okay. I, you know, I living far from my mom and for so long, far from my mother-in-law, Mother's Day was always kind of my day. And mm-hmm. it was like, I, I get coffee in bed. I get breakfast. I get to hang out with my friends. So I kind of got this. My dream. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. So it's, it's nice. I'll get to be with my mom. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I think Mother's Day feels tender too. There were so many years that I was struggling with infertility that it was really, it did feel very triggering and, and, um, emotional. And then the fact that all three of my kids are adoptees that there are women who I think are having a really struggling all three of their birth moms. I would imagine, um, that it's a tender day for them. So, and that there's a lot of moms who have experienced loss. And I think that it's, I think as I've gotten older and I've experienced some of the complications, like I've lived some of them that I also just hold it, hold that as well. Whenever there's these days of celebrating a role that not everyone gets to fit into nice and neatly, you know? So if you are listening and you are a mom who is struggling in any of those ways, we want to hold that with you, make space to hold that. Cause it's, yeah, it can be heavy instead of celebratory. So that's real too. And there, we may have listeners who aren't moms and are Mm -hmm. connected to Down syndrome in other ways. And, uh, you know, I have a friend, Erin Lane, who just published an amazing book that I'm really excited about called Someone Other Than a Mother. Mm, And it's about flipping the scripts on motherhood and what our culture tells us about motherhood. And that, that, you know, for a a lot of the time, our culture tells us that's what gives a woman meaning. Mm -hmm. And my friend Erin is pushing back on that and asking the question of what really gives a woman meaning, Um, especially for women who've chosen not to have children or who circumstances have kept them from having children. And so I've been thinking about that a lot as I've been reading this book and it's, uh, you know, that's my shout out for it. It's a beautiful book. And I hope that this is a space where we can honor everyone. Yeah. Um, and not just the, the mothers yes. who are here listening. Absolutely. Um, we'll have a link to that book. Cause I, well, I would like the link, but I'm sure our listeners would like to read that as well. Um, all right, before we move on to our episode, I'm going to read a review one from one of our sweet listeners, and it is from chapter eight co on Instagram. This person says, I'm so passionate about a career in behavior therapy. And this podcast gives me added insight on a mom's concerns, struggles, and joys. 
So that is awesome. We love to know that this podcast is a tool for all different kinds of people. That's always our hope and goal. So if you are a listener and you haven't yet, don't forget to review the show on Apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. We can read it out loud next week. We love reading these and appreciate your support so very much. So much. Okay. So we're going to get into self-care here. I have so, I have so many thoughts (laughs) and I have an announcement. So this is like an announcement thought. So self-care is not my favorite phrase. I'll start with that. Okay. And I think it's a very privileged concept. I think that there's a lot of pressure. Like it's become a to-do to have to take care of ourselves. And that when self-care is brought to our attention or served up to us from a culture that is all about hustle and doing more and being more, and you're not enough, right? The opposite of what we're trying to get at in our lives. And I think here, even our message on the podcast, then it becomes, it's not helpful anymore. It's now harmful. And that I see that happening like in the messaging that we receive in the world and Mike is nodding her head. Do you resonate with this? Yes, absolutely. Because self-care becomes another thing that we, you know, self-care becomes part of your beauty regimen so that you sure. can be gorgeous enough or young enough looking self-care becomes something that you have to have money to do. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, by nature, the way that it gets described in our culture, especially as it's added to our to-do lists, is something that rich people can do or something Mm -hmm. that um people who don't have to to hustle towards money can hustle towards this Mm -hmm. yeah and i and i feel sensitive to people raising kids with disabilities because i'm i remember having these friends who were all about like we've got to get you've got to get away for a night with your spouse if you can or your partner and how important that connection is. And even if you're like, it's your, you know, the auntie who could barely hanging on as long as you've got an adult watching your kids. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I just can't, we don't have a person who can just stay with our kids. Our kids just don't transition that easily. The things that they need that some of our kids have needs. Some of our kids have needs that are more than a caretaker can understand in a night. Um, or even like a babysitter coming aside from the cost, there's that aspect too. when you're raising a child with a disability or with some additional needs. And it always just felt, it just feels frustrating. Like, um, a little bit alienating, like, yeah, you don't, you don't get it. And now I feel like I'm failing at (laughs) self-care. Um, I don't feel like that now in my life, but there were, there were times, you know, yeah, I'd love to get away for the weekend. That sounds amazing. (laughs) But yeah, like, cool. Thanks. Thanks for, I'm glad that you can good for you. And when that is projected onto everybody else of like, this is the only way to keep your relationship thriving mm-hmm. is if you do this particular thing or date night once a week, or yeah, I remember feeling that too, just living across the country from my family, like what grandma am I going to ask to do this? Or, mm-hmm. you know, how many people have, have, don't have grandparents who are healthy enough or, you yeah. know, there's so many complications that I think our idea of self-care needs a new definition. Mm-hmm. So what's our new definition going to be Heather? <laughs> well, I was just going to say, I still don't know. 
I still don't know what yeah. it is. Cause then it's like, okay, like, okay, can you go in your bathroom and close the door and put on music for five minutes and just breathe? And when I'm in a place that that's frazzled and whatever, I don't even want to do that. That sounds obnoxious. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to do that. That's not what I want. I want to go away for the weekend, you know? So then there's a little bit of the, the tools that I do have access to. I almost start to like present those because that's not how I want to care for myself. And I'm also, I know that, that not everyone's familiar with this and, and it could not be that meaningful, but I'm on, there's a thing called the Enneagram. I'm a two. And so my person, that means my personality is one that wants to help others. And my personality is one that is constantly aware of others' needs and others' feelings. And it's hard for me to identify my needs and feelings. Um, and then that feels like a task. So in terms of defining self-care and, and I'll say we have the, my husband and the way my family set up is I do have all, a lot of the privileges. It's hard to go away overnight with, without the kids, but in terms of taking care of me, I have all the privileges to do that. We have the finances. I have an incredibly supportive husband, really active dad. I can leave at any moment and he's hundred percent in charge of the kids. It's not a problem. Um, so I can do these things, but it's when it comes to defining what it is, in a more global sense. I don't know. I think that this is, I'm going to give this one to you. <laughs> <laughs> I think that you, you are more equipped to define today. Okay. Listeners, Micah is defining what self-care is and how to do it in three easy steps. <laughs> three steps. Step one. Uh, I do think that we just need some language changes. Mm. Um, so instead of saying self-care, Maybe there's a way we can adjust our language to think about ourselves as limited humans, you know, that yeah. we're, it's not necessarily like, I'm going to go out of my way to rub lotion on my arm. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you see these things on Instagram? People are no, like, I really try to avoid it. I really try and to avoid just it. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. <clears throat> what because what's really happening is about our bodies and our minds and our souls and our bodies and our minds and our souls not being in step with each other mm -hmm. and i think that that what we like even like if we want to continue calling it self-care let's do that but self-care real self-care should be free yeah and real self-care should be somehow learning to live holistically mm -hmm. where your body and your soul and your mind can be in step with each other. And I think that starts with leaning into your limits. Mm. I, I think that the core challenge of our culture is this culture of hustle. And that culture of hustle is like, you can do more than there's time for. Mm -hmm. And healing starts with being like, actually, I can't because I'm a human being and my body can't do this anymore. And um, that means that my mind and my soul need to figure out what are the priorities for my life. And, and so sometimes I think self-care is a lot more about taking the quiet mm -hmm. time in your life to figure out what your priorities are. I was talking a couple of weeks ago. I mentioned that book I was reading 4,000 weeks mm -hmm. and we talked about the time conveyor belt coming mm -hmm. by yeah. and how we've like 
just, we pat ourselves on the back if we're constantly filling up the bags that come by us on the conveyor belt. And if we miss one, then we're a failure and we let people down. Mm-hmm. And and to step away from the conveyor belt and to actually go, you know, there's there's this this is there's this much time in my life and I can't do everything. And that's why we commit to certain relationships, right? We yeah. that's what like marriage is basically saying I'm going to be a partner with you and I'm going to reject these the uh, these other options. Mm-hmm. And and choosing a career is like I'm going to pursue this thing and knowing that when I pursue this thing, I can't like, if I'm going to be a lawyer, I can't be a doctor too. And I can't be a teacher and I can't be a cop. Mm -hmm. And so this is what I'm choosing. And we need those choices because that's how we work. We're humans with limited capacity. Mm -hmm. And to me, I think that learning how to take care of ourselves is learning to allow ourselves to be humans with limited capacity. I love it. It makes so much sense, Mike. I I receive all of that. I want to talk about, so then like the example that you gave with making a choice to have like with your spouse or your partner and then with your job. And I think um, oftentimes for parents raising kids with Down syndrome, it wasn't a choice. Ultimately it was if for everybody chose to parent who's parenting their child with Down syndrome made the choice to do so. But in a sense, there wasn't a choice sure. to become a parent to a child with a disability. Um, and so then how, how do we encourage our moms and ourselves even um, when it comes to like the limitate, like leaning in or looking at your limitations? I think that idea that in the therapy world of like naming it is so important. I believe that so much, right? Like to name something is really powerful and important to do. Um, and so knowing that there's limitations there, but like, what do we, what do we do as parents raising kids with disabilities when we're so burnt out, like burning at both ends. And it feels as though, and what, whether it's true or not, it feels as though there's not one thing we can give up and our capacity is maxed. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I do think that there are all of us have choices we can make. You know, I think you, you've said before, like so-and-so wants me to be in the PTA and I cannot, I think there is no space in my life to do PTA. And, you know, even if people can't understand that, that's just the case, right? I think there are, we, we choose how involved our kids are outside of school. Mm -hmm. We choose how many therapies we're going to. We choose what kind of meals we're going to cook. We choose how, busy our weekends are and how committed we are. And, you know, sometimes it, it doesn't matter if they're all good things. Mm-hmm. We still are limited. Mm, yeah. And so I think <clears throat> there is space for all of us to sit down and really sketch out our weeks, like just on a really practical level, what gives you life, what things are good, but not the most important. Mm. And there may just be, uh, there may just be things that have to, to go. There was in this book I, I'm reading, he talks about that Stephen Covey uh, illustration that everybody has heard about, you know, the jar and the rocks and the pebbles and the sand. Mm-hmm. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, share it, share it. It's like, it's like, oh, 
here's this jar and it's going to get filled up by life, right? And so here's the big rocks and here's the pebbles and here's the sand. If you put all the sand and the pebbles in first, the big rocks won't fit, right? And then mm -hmm. if you take it out, then the illustration is like, oh, but you put the big rocks in first, then the pebbles and the sand will fit too. And this, this author of 4,000 Weeks, Oliver Berkman, he's like, listen, that's a sweet idea, but actually there's a lot more big rocks than fit in the jar mm. and that's the problem mm. <laughs> like it, right we're we we talk like oh yeah if we put the important things in first then everything else will fit and and you've just sometimes you have to choose the big rocks mm -hmm. and there's a lot especially as parents of kids with disabilities there's a lot of big rocks mm -hmm. and and that means that sometimes we have to choose between more speech therapy or not. Yeah. You know, it means sometimes that maybe our kids aren't, aren't getting to pursue the relationships we want them to pursue because we're trying to make sure our typical kids are getting to play soccer or whatever it is. And I think having patience and gentleness with ourselves about the reality of that. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. That's good. That's good stuff. I, um, we are right now in the midst of, we've launched this nonprofit and so we're shifting our business model and it's could be five episodes of my experience <laughs> in the last two months or three months. And I, we are doing too much. We are, we being Josh and I are 100% at capacity and we are not happy. And we recognize it and it's kind of this, we're on the wheel. We're running, we're running, we're running. Yeah. We know we have to get off. We're trying to find that exit, you know, but it's also, we're in process. So we, I think we've been through enough therapy and where we have enough self-awareness always could use more of both, um, that we can see that. And so we know that we have to get off and it's just like, okay, we got to, there's some intentional steps that need to happen that are out of our control. This is a season, this is a, a short season, but within that season, then the, the opportunity for growth for me is what am I focusing on? And I mostly feel frustrated and overwhelmed that that is where my focus lies. And yesterday I was, i have made the decision to carve out an hour and a half in the morning to volunteer on Tuesdays to volunteer in Augie's class, because I finally checked the box of all the things you need to do to be a volunteer at school, which can we just say every year, in August and September, I, I promise myself, I will get it done by the fall. And every year I watch the other moms, God bless them. The mom, I am not done, like have it checked off their volunteering. And it's still on my list to do, to do anyways, I got it all done by March. And so okay. yay for me. Plus COVID was the whole thing. You weren't even allowed at the first half sure, of school. Sure. So I'm volunteering in August class for the last few weeks. And you know, walking into that space, holding all of these tasks mm -hmm. at hand that aren't getting done because I'm there and, and, um, his teacher, I cannot even love her more, but they sing the national anthem. They do the pledge of allegiance. And then she on a little CD player pushes the soundtrack <laughs> for the national anthem. And then everyone sings it. Oh. And August is like standing and he's just belting it out with all of his heart. And then he looks at me and he gives me a thumbs up. And I just had this moment of deep gratitude for what is and not 
not worried about what's to come. Um, and that for me is such a healing. That's my self-care, right? That's my self-care in life right now. And the place I've arrived to when I'm thinking about self-care is bringing, bringing myself awareness to these moments that are just magical and mundane. And I have so much gratitude and then almost grounding myself in that gratitude to then find contentment and not letting myself go to a place that doesn't exist, right? A future that doesn't exist and have, and go out in a tailspin. So I came home and Josh, God bless him. He's in that tailspin because he's been working that hour and a half and I'm just like, okay. And he's bringing things to me and we're good at back and forth, but I'm like, babe, we have these kids that every day we get to wake up and love. Well, I mean, whoa, that, that is real. And that is a gift. And yes, there are really, really, really hard days. And then there are moments of August singing the national anthem at the top of his lungs and looking over at me with a little wink and a thumbs up, you know, and those are, if I can, if I can be in a place in my life where I can hold on to that thumbs up moment and let it affect me Mm -hmm. so powerfully, I've, I think that I'm making progress in my life when it comes to learning how to care for my soul and my heart and my mind and my body. Yep. And I think Heather, that is this, that's the secret to self-care is like I said, it's, it's free. So how can you put yourself in a position to daily remind yourself of the wink and the thumbs up, Yeah. like what you're doing this for? Because it's, there's, of course, there's going to be seasons like the one you're in where it's just relentless and you know, you can, we can talk all day long about like, we need to stop hustling. We need to find ways to be sustainable. And sometimes we can do that. And sometimes we can't, mm-hmm. but what are the practices we can put in our lives to make sure we're, we're putting space to remind ourselves, not just of our limits, but also why we're doing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. What does that look like for you? Like, do you have a morning routine? Do you have anything in your life where you're, um, where you feel like this is feeding my soul or this is feeding my body mm-hmm. or this is feeding my mind? I mean, personally, I'm just not a routine person. I'm not, um, I always say like a type a person. I think people are familiar with that. I, that person. And I love that person and I want more of that. And that's not me. So I, I would love, and I'll go through seasons that usually last like three to seven days <laughs> of I'm going to wake up at this time. I'm going to do, I'm going to practice yoga. I'm going to read a book. I'm going to journal. And then my kids wake up and I've had coffee. And in those three to five days that I do that, I love it. And also it's not, those practices aren't sustainable yeah. for who I am. Yeah. Um, and I don't feel bad about that. So, but, but it is figuring out what it is. So I don't have, I don't have a routine. I know the things that I can do. Um, and I have access to when I feel that need to, when I can recognize that I need to pay attention more to myself and care for myself, my self-care moments. And that often is like a walk. Walking is really good for me. I walk, I live in a beautiful neighborhood and with lots and lots of Hills. Um, and so like an hour to an hour and a half, like four or five mile walk is my jam. And I try to do that at least three times a week in early in the morning and sometimes five times a week. It depends on what the schedule is. I don't on Wednesdays because we're recording and God bless once I am, if I don't walk first thing after dropping the kids off at school, it's like, I don't know how, like, I don't know how to do it another time of day. It's just the weirdest. 
<laughs> it's impossible once you're once you're in the like the work mode yeah stop and do something different is yeah really hard it is really hard and the thing one of my very favorite things to do is go out with my girlfriends like Josh is always like when he needs some time, he wants to be alone. And I'm like, I need a day to myself who will hang out with me. That's where I go, (laughs) which is called being an extrovert. So I will usually once a week, but probably once every other week, do like a happy hour with girlfriends and meet up with them. One or one is plenty. And that feels, I I can tell when it's been a long time since I've done that. Mm. And again, that is a privileged thing. And that does cost money. It doesn't necessarily have to, the walking doesn't, but I do need a partner who can be in charge of the kids for that, those couple hours, you know, and I recognize that I have that and I'm grateful. So those are like two things that I've learned really help me feel like I'm caring for my whole self. Yeah. And they're both like an enjoyable thing. The walking is a health thing. So I think that's interesting when it comes to self-care, the thing that I that I've found I'm missing when I'm not caring for myself. Again, I'm like rolling my eyes at the language, but is that fun, right? Like I don't, I just want to have fun all the time. I'd like to always have fun. (laughs) And so I tried to squeeze that in. What about you? What's What are your practices? What What do you do? Well, I love that you walk that much. I love walking, but it's a little bit, I, I, if I can get on a, if I can have a long walk once a week, I feel pretty happy with Mm -hmm. that. Um, but I have a morning routine and I feel like my morning routine has been like my, I don't even know what the word is like that. It carries me along Mm -hmm. and that I, I get up before the rest of the family. It really helps that now my family doesn't, the boys don't have to wake up until eight because we get to go to school late and it's amazing. But I, so I wake up at seven, which Mm -hmm. is not hard. And I have a cup of coffee and either sit on the couch in my spot in the cold days, or once it's warm, I sit on the porch and I read. And I, some people have really strict rules about how much they read in their morning routines or whatever. I, I don't set a timer or anything. I just read until it's time for me to stop reading. And uh, and I only read nonfiction in the morning. Like I'm kind of a nerd about it. <laughs> I read nonfiction in the morning <laughs> and I read fiction before bed at night. And those are my two times. Like those are the really the two times I get to sit and and rest. Like when I first wake up in the morning and drinking my coffee and then before I go to bed. Yeah. When I get to be in bed. Um, and that's also when I connect with Chris, like in the morning, he gets up with me and that's something that didn't start until eight years into our age when we started sitting down together. But it, that was at a season when people were saying things like you need a, you need a date night every Mm -hmm. week in order to connect or whatever. And we were sort of like. Oh, or we could just sit on the couch when nobody's awake and talk to each other. Right. <laughs> that's also a possibility. <laughs> um, but that's been like, we, we read different things. We've never really wanted to read the same books. We have different interests, but we share nuggets with each other and it's kind of cheese ball. 
And then sometimes we pray or sometimes mm -hmm. we talk about really hard things or sometimes we um, sit in silence and that's, it's just like my grounding time mm -hmm. in the morning before the day starts. I love it. I love that. Okay. So I want to, I don't know how helpful any of this is for our listeners. <laughs> I think hopefully just like a, yes, I, you are seen and yeah. I think, yeah, self-care is more complicated than our society has given, has led us to believe. And I hope that today, after you listen to this, you can find the thing that's for you. I think that's what it is. It's so, it's so unique to each person. And so maybe it just starts with some kind of mindfulness and being aware of something that's missing for you or where you're at right now. Like Micah was saying, that connection with your heart, mind, soul, mm -hmm. um, body. I think, I don't think you said all four of those things, but that's where we're at. Okay. I want to share a thing that I did. This was, here's a self-care moment for me. This is like my ideal self-care moment. I did this last night and then it leads into, um, essentially just sharing with our listeners a little bit more about what we're doing at the foundation. Okay. There's a thing called moth radio moth. Okay. The moth, right? Yes. This is a, yes. the moth is a storytelling program. It's now a podcast. That's where you listen to these stories and it's, their rules are real stories told by real people with no notes. That's how that's the moth. And what it is, is you, so the way that it started is this man would be at parties. He lived in New York and he'd be like at, a, at hangouts and dinners and parties and hearing stories from people that are just like, this is a great story. And they're like, you know, you go home and tell your family and friends, the story you heard about this person that, that they told at the party. It's like, what if we gathered people around to tell this in a more intentional way, started having like backyard hangouts and inviting people like to come listen to each other's stories. That was the point of, of getting together and people were so interested. It just blew up. And so now across the nation in major cities, there are moths, they call moth story hours, moth story slams. And so a moth story slam, you're going to go to a venue and you are going to put your name in a bucket. If you want to tell a story, your story, it's going to be a five minute story. It needs a beginning, middle and end. It's not like a monologue. It's not stand up routine. It's a beginning, middle end story. Mm -hmm. And you go on stage if they call your name and you tell your story. So one of my very best friends, Katie Casada, who was on our show, yes. Katie Casada, her birthday in 2019, she went to a story slam. I don't know where I was, but I, I wasn't there. And I just remember her being there. And it was like, this is a bucket list for me. I've been listening to the moth radio, like their podcast, probably for six or seven years. It's one of my very favorite things because I'm going to jump around here a little bit, but I'll bring it all together because you're hearing these real stories from real people that are so different, right? Like it's like a zookeeper who has this experience with, uh, an ape. And then you have like the guy who just learned to started running and then you have the girl who has this like traumatic experience with her parents as a child. Then you have this other, I mean, it's like all over the place. It's five minutes. And somehow through this, there's this connection of knowing and being known by people that you've never met before, which I think is the power of story. Like the power of telling our stories um, is it connects us to one another and gives us like a deeper, richer understanding of humanity. So it has been a dream of mine to go to a moth story slam. And Katie went for her birthday with all of our friends and I couldn't go. I think I was traveling and then her name was picked and then she won. 
So then like 10 people get their names drawn. They each tell a five minute story and then you're, you win or not. So Katie won the story slam and they're like, yeah, all the story slam winners go to a grand slam where they can prepare their talk, their story ahead of time. And they know the topic and whatever. Cause when you go to the story slams, the smaller ones, you don't know the topic until you get there. And the topics are pretty vague. Like you can fit a lot into it, but you can maybe have a story idea in mind, but it has to go along with the topic at the grand slam. It's all the winners come together. So last night I, she got, so pandemic happens for two and a half years. The moth doesn't do any stories, any events. And last night was their first event back in LA at the Regency theater. And Katie got to compete in a grand slam along with nine other winners. Right. Wow. And so that's what I got to do last night. I, it was like a, it's a lot to get into LA friends, downtown LA. If you've never been there, you don't need to go. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, LA. Not there's, <laughs> uh, there's other places to go. Um, it's not my favorite. Every time I leave downtown, I'm like, Ooh, okay, we made it in and out, but, and it was, it was my bedtime all these factors because people do things late at night. But I went last night and listened to these 10 different people tell very, very different stories and got to cheer on my friend, Katie, who slayed it. She's one of the greatest storytellers I know. And so I did that last night. That was a, that was a big self-care for me. You know, Josh, I left the kids. I got home at midnight. I have like a long day today. It was a, but it felt, it filled my soul. And then we're doing this we started this nonprofit and the basis of the nonprofit is storytelling. That is the foundation. And we're saying to people in the Down syndrome community, your stories matter. We need to hear them, but more than that, or you need to tell them, but more than that, the world needs to hear them. And last night felt um, really affirming in that, because like I shared earlier in all transparency, we've been, I've been feeling conflicted with this nonprofit. It's hard to take something so, um, abstract and put a value to it. Right. But we're essentially saying, Hey guys, we need your financial support and support in other ways, but we need financial support to do this project, which is share the stories of people with down syndrome and those who love them and archive those and have a place to go because we believe that those stories are powerful. So it's just affirming and like, yes, I believe this. This is what I believe. And people, the room was packed and people believe this. They've been supporting the moth for 10 years. And so what we're, what my announcement is right now to everybody, and maybe I'm announcing it before this too. I'm not sure when this airs, but we are the Avis family and the lucky few foundation. We're doing a five week, five city storytelling tour. And what that means, yes, is we are going to take our little family of five, which already things got exciting And we're going to travel around the nation and gather families and friends and coworkers and community members who love a person with Down syndrome together. And we're going to create a opportunity and a platform for them to share a story about their loved one with Down syndrome and whatever that story is. And I just know and believe that in those stories, whether it's going to be a diagnosis story or whether it's going to be the time like if something happened at school or whatever it is, I just know that those stories have the power to shift this narrative, to connect our like connect us as humans to one another, to create a bridge for people who don't know anything about Down syndrome, to see people with Down syndrome as fully human, fully valuable, and worthy of a space and worthy of our time and worthy to be in this world. 
And so we're doing that. And we might be at a city near you. And we, I'll tell you the cities. Do you want to know? Yes. Tell us. Okay. We are going to be in this order, South Carolina. We're going to be in New Orleans at the National Down Syndrome Congress Convention. Amazing. Yes. So we're going to be there. If you're going to be there at that place and you want to participate in this, we would love for you to reach out to us. We're going to be in Nantucket. We're going to be in New Jersey and we're going to be in Alabama. (gasps) Amazing. Right. And we're our, we will be gathering more than 300 stories in those five weeks. And so it's going to be exciting. It's going to be really fun and important and good. And so if you want to get involved with that, as it stands right now, we have all our, we have all the spots filled with storytellers, except for new Orleans. So if you're going to, if you're in new Orleans, we would love new Orleans locals. Um, but if you're there for the convention also, that would be awesome. And you can go to the lucky foundation.org and find the contact page, reach out email, hello with lucky And then we need help for this financially the, to do these things really well, the front end and the back end in terms of production is a big expense. We're gathering families together where, and we want to provide a meal for them beforehand. So we have some community aspect. We have a professional photographer, all of that. So we, each of these weekends costs between like eight and $10,000. And that's a lot of money, but it really is so that we can do it with excellence and make sure that everyone participating is very cared for and, and loved on. So if you're interested in that, if you see the value and the power in this idea of sharing your story and getting out into the world, um, we're looking for 80 people to give a thousand dollars. And I know that that's a lot of money for some people, but for some people it's not. And maybe for you, it's finding 10 friends to each give a hundred or whatever it is. Um, so if that is you, you can go to luckyfewfoundation.org, hit donate, and you'll see a storytelling tour button. And you just click that button and you can follow the prompts from there. So that's, that's what we're doing. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> and, and I think it uh, brings it full circle. Storytelling is a way that we can combine our, our heart and our spirits and our bodies and our minds and um, sharing stories with each other relationships, working towards the kind of world that we want for our loved ones with Down syndrome. This is, this is the kind of self-care that we can get behind. Let's not just self-care by taking bubble baths. Let's (laughs) self-care by, uh, by living wholeheartedly, embracing our limits and working towards the kind of world that we want to see. Yes. I love it. I love it. Well, thanks for letting me share about that. Everybody. I think we're going to wrap it up here. Let's do it. We are going to take a little break. And before we do that though, let's, let's celebrate some good news because that's always a fun thing to do. All right. We'll be right back. Hey friends, Micah here. Eight years ago, I published my first book found a story of questions, grace, and everyday prayer. It's a memoir about the early years of motherhood, the transition to a new identity as mom, and how the expectations and challenges that come with that gift can turn your world upside down. It's also a story about faith, how when our spiritual lives unravel, 
it's never the end of the story. It's always simply an invitation to something new. For Found's eighth anniversary, I'm hosting a book club. We're reading it again, together. Grab yourself a copy of Found wherever books are sold. There's a link in our show notes. And sign up for the book club for free on my website, micaboyette.com. I'll send you a discussion guide so you can gather with your found friends and chat each week before joining me for a weekly group Zoom. Reading a book with the author? What do you say? Find me at micaboyette, M-I-C-H-A-B-O-Y-E-T-T.com for more details. I, you think about what your good news is, Heather. I have good news from a listener who also happens to be my friend, Rachel. I know Rachel. We've, yes. I feel like Rachel's done this. This feels like a familiar she's, conversation. She's a, she's a faithful listener. Oh, she's amazing. She is. And sh- her son and my son are on a baseball team together right now. Oh, my gosh. <gasps> okay. So this is Little Smiles 321 who says, my eight-year-old was a coach's helper this winter in our town basketball program for third and fourth grade. The season just ended, and since most of the players will be participating in baseball this spring, they asked him to be the bat boy. Mm. They considered him their good luck, their good luck charm since they started winning games, and he joined. <laughs> His participation garnered an incredible response from so many of the coaches and players on other teams. It taught them that there is more to sports than winning. Heather Avis, your recent share about Macy's experience in soccer so much inspired this happening for Miles. Thank you for sharing as always. Oh my gosh. This is so good. Yes. Yes. Tell that story. Okay. That's great. Miles is a ray of sunshine too. I just love that kid. Okay. Well, Rachel, if you're hearing this, I'm coming to New Jersey. Let's hope that the dates match. (laughs) Let's hope you're in town. Okay. I have some good news. I feel like I've like uh, a couple. Here's the most okay. recent. And this is from Josh, but this is literally the epitome of good news. So last night I went to this story slam, the grand slam. Josh is doing bedtime by himself. Bedtime is still a, a struggle. It's not my favorite. Some parents are like, I love bedtime. Like, can we just get it over with? But he texts me and he said, I said to Mason in August, it's time to go upstairs and get ready for bed. And they got up without arguing. And they went upstairs and got ready for bed totally on their own with no fussing and needing no help. (laughs) And I text him back, hashtag good news. (laughs) That's our good news. (laughs) That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. We're celebrating that. Oh, go ahead. You've worked. Well, I just want to say Heather has had visuals up at her house for years since I first started visiting her house to help Mason get, take care of her teeth brushing and getting ready for bed and all of those things. And look at you, Heather. Look at us. It works. It works. It works. It's a slower process, but it's happening. You, yeah. You're going to be, you're going to have a time in your life where you're like, this is all a waste of time, surely, because nobody does the thing I want. <laughs> and then years go by and that's the growth. That's the growth. And also that that's a gift. There's a gift in that growth. You guys, if we can just stop long enough to, to sit in it and lean in and allow it to affect us and not just get frustrated. I'm working on that. You guys, I get frustrated easily. 
Anyway, um, we love hearing your good news, friends. And if you have some good news, would you share it with us? You can do that at the luckyfewpodcast.com and leave us a, um, go to the contact page and send your good news in. You can go to the lucky few pod on Instagram and leave us a direct message or in a comment. And thank you guys for always sharing and celebrating with us. We love celebrating your loving with down syndrome, or if you have down syndrome, we love celebrating you big, the little and everything in between. So thank you. Yep. It's time for us to wrap up, but I want to say to all the mothers out there, happy mother's day. We hope you can find a way to care for yourself, um, in a way that's sustainable and life-giving and doesn't require a thousand dollars. Yeah. And, or a bathtub that has jets. You don't have to have a bathtub with jets. Um, I also want to say to all the non-moms out there, we love you and Mm -hmm. you deserve a day too. Uh, My friend Erin calls it happy someone other than a Mother's Day, (laughs) which is uh, all the days and it's for everyone. (laughs) So happy to you too. Big thanks to Josh Avis for editing this episode and to Val Schleter for producing it. Hey friends, if you like this episode, we really love it. When you share it with your family and friends, just hit that share button. And as you're doing that, don't forget to subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast at. All right. And what else? Uh, check out the luckyfewpodcast.com for show notes and for all the things we talked about today. And then follow us on social media at the Lucky Few Pod. Um, we are fun over there. Lots fun. of good fun stuff happening. We love interacting with you guys in that space. And then, you know, most importantly, today on Mother's Day, all the days, listener, you're slaying it, slaying it. And we love you so much. And we are always cheering you on. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Lucky Few Podcast. We can't wait to be together next time. Bye. See ya. Bye.